Okay, so tonight we're going to be learning Osiud in the Sefer Rishmilin from Rav Avram Yitzhak HaKohen Cook's Now, with regards to Osiud, it's one of those letters that Osiud is a Zasugya HaKolelas, meaning to say that you can find in really any Sefer Hasidus or Sefer Sod, <coughs> you can find a ton of information about the Osiud. So it was very important for me to make sure that I wasn't allowing myself to get carried away with Osiud and other svarim, but to really focus on what Rav Kook was saying. And for Rav Kook's interpretation of the Osiud, which at first glance seems rather sparse for such a fundamental letter, the building block of Olam Haba, according to Chazal, that this world was created with an Osei and the world to come was created with an Osiud, it seems rather sparse for Rav Kook to spend so little time discussing the Osiud. But once you really delve into the words of Rav Kook on the Osiud, you begin to recognize the storehouses that are contained within. Now, one of the exciting things that happened this week for me was that I really was having a, a relatively difficult time understanding the value of what Rav Kook was saying in Osiud until after Tisha B'av, I decided to take the Rebbe Rashab's Hemshech Samech Vav off of the shelf, and I looked in the Mavteach, to, to look at what the Rebbe Rashab would say uh, about Osiyot. And I found on Daf, Taf Tzadi and Hemshech Samech Vav, which deserves a sheer in its own right, the value of Hemshech Samech Vav, um, one of the more fundamental svarim of Panimius Hasidus around. And what I found on Daf Taf Tzadi and Taf Tzadi Aleph was so overwhelming to the extent that it's as if him and Rav Kook were speaking on the same wavelength. Now, Sadiqim very often discuss the same exact thing, unbeknownst to one another, but here, in my opinion, it, it's nearly impossible to understand the value of Rav Kook's words without the Rebbe Rashab's words, or the Rebbe Rashab's words without Rav Kook's words. And what it brought to mind to me was the beautiful teaching from Rabbi Nachman, that there are certain Sadiqim who bring up certain ideas, certain certain questions about spiritual ideas, theosophical ideas, and they leave them without answers. And their questions, in a certain sense, are written in the sky, waiting for other tzaddikim and other generations to come and answer up those kashios. And the tzaddik, a few generations later on, through his teruts, is answering up a kasha of a tzaddik a few generations prior. And through this transgenerational question and answer between Sadike Ha'olam, what we have is a, a sefer written in the sky, Rav Kuk, or, uh, Rabbi Nachman writes, and that when you find yourself without a sefer, Kavyachol, it's important that a person recognize that they can learn the sky, that they can learn Metzius itself, because Metzius is made up, if you will, of unanswered questions and unquestioned answers of Sadikim throughout different generations. Now, it's difficult to really pin down what the relationship with Rav Kook was with particular trends in Chabad Hasidus, although it's very clear from Rav Kook's autobiographical and biographical writings that he was deeply inspired and rooted in Chabad Hasidus, especially from his mother's side. But nevertheless, there's a direct connection between what we're going to see in the Rebbe Rashab with regards to the Osiud and what Rav Kook says with regards to the Osiud. But before we get into Rav Kook, we're going to have two basic introductions that are necessary to understand the value of the Osiod, especially as it comes after the Ostes, because like we saw last week in the Ostes, 
what we have in the Ostes is the collection of all of the particularities of existence. That by the Ostes, by the Esod, by the Tzaddik, we come to the limit of the individualized and particularized fractured aspects of existence, ready and primed to be unified within a whole that is greater than the sum of its parts. So Yud will only be as valuable as its procession or its continuity from within the Os test, meaning to say that the Os Yud is only going to be as valuable as the collection of the parts within it, so that for our Tzadikim and for of Kuk, the Os Yud will be simply the sum total of Aleph through Tess and something more, which allows us to enter into the future levels of Chaf, Lamed, Mem, Nun. Now, we have to look at the Arizal in Eitzchayim, actually, and really the first Heichal, and Heichal Adam Kadmon, Shar Aleph, Anaf Aleph. And this is a Hakdama taken from Rav Itchemeyer Morgenstern. Now, I didn't bring it from a particular source in Yom Chachma because Rav Morgenstern writes this in countless places, at least 20 to 30 times throughout his thousands and thousands of pages. And this, on a certain level, is one of the crowning ideas within Rav Itchemeyer's approach to Kabbalah Sa'arizal and, and Sugyas of Pnimiya Satora. Now, for Ravichemeyer, what we're going to find is a real expression of the ideas described in Os Aleph, which was the idea of Rabbeinu Azriel of Gerona, and then expressed in the Arizal, which is that the reason for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's creation of the world was not in order to be native to his followers, not in order to give good and bestow good to those who serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but rather to disclose the capacity of limitation, this ability of the infinite to manifest itself within limitation, within the finite realms of existence, so that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could show that infinity does not need to simply exist within the confines of infinity, but rather it can exist within limitation as well, thereby enlarging and emphasizing the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he can not only manifest in unity within Ein Sof, but that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could manifest in unity within limitation as well. Now, when we look at the Arizal in Anaf Aleph in discussing the purpose of creation, the Arizal writes as follows, And had HaKadosh Baruch Hu, had God not brought out his potential and his actions into actuality, God, so to speak, again, softening the ideas here, because we're not talking about God, so God forbid, but had God not expressed his potential within actuality, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu would not have been referred to as Shalim, as perfect, not with regards to his actions, and not with regards to his names. The large name, the Shem HaEtzem, the name of Hashem, the Havaya, the Yudke Vavke, the Tetragrammaton, which we discuss and describe in all the Rishonim and all the Halachic Svarim as the Shem HaEtzem, which cannot be erased, but which can still not be expressed verbally, but can only be expressed in its linguistic casing, which is the Shem of Adnus or Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. Shehu Shem Ben Dalet Osios, Hey Vav Yud Hey, which is Havaya, which is Yudke Vavke. Nikrakain, and, and where does the Shem Havaya come from, according to the Arizal? Nikrakain al Horaas Havyato Hanitzris Bikimulaat. The Shem Havaya, which has the same definition as existence, as Hova, as presence, is actually described on his perpetual and infinite existence and his infinite continuity. Haya Hova It was, 
it is and it will be. And the Arizal says something profound here. He says, Terem habriya, bizman kiyum habriya, now, the Arizal is saying something profound here. He says, the Shem Havaya is based on the words, was, is, and will be. And that describes Hashem's presence before the world was created, as the world is created in the present process of history. And describing the future of that which will be after it reverts back to that which was. So the Shem Havaya is comprised of the three temporal stages of past, present, and future. But for the Arizal, it's not enough to say that Hove is future, but rather it is a future that is a future that is expressed simply when it reverts back to that which was. Masha Yihiya, that which will be. After it reverts back to that which was. And Ravitchavayar, in the name of the Leshem and in the name of different Mikubalam, asks a simple question. What purpose is it for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to come out of his infinitude and manifest in limitation for the sake of creating creation in the present moment through the past, present, and future temporal categories? <coughs> if all we're going to do is have the future revert back to that which was before the present. Meaning to say that if the future, if the future is simply that which was prior to its expression and existence, after it's reverted back to the pre-time existence of godliness, then what's the purpose of all of creation? What have we added? If we're simply reverting back to that which was, what is the purpose of history? And Ravitchamayar says expressively and explicitly in multiple places that Haya, that which was, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, before he created the world, was simple infinitude. It was Ein Sofiyut. Hove, the present, when Hashem reveals himself, is Pratiyut and distinction and differentiation and finitude and limitation and Gvul. So we have these two contradictory stages. We have God in his infinitude, God in Ein Sof Kavyachol, and then we have God in limitation and Gvul. And the future is the revelation of the Kedusha Sayichud, the great level of unity that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was able to disclose by revealing that even after the manifestation within limitation of history, within the Hova, within the Pratiyut, within differentiation, everything will revert back to that which was. But now when we revert back to the beginning, we are endowing the beginning with a newfound ability of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to manifest himself within limitation. Meaning to say, at first there was Ein Sof, and that was not a Chiddush because there was nothing distinguishing itself. There was no differentiation forcing Ein Sof to show its strength. Then comes symptom, then comes limitation. Only after limitation is shown to be part and parcel of infinitude can we now come onto a deeper level of Kedusha, a deeper level of unity, which shows that HaKadosh Baruch Hu cannot only manifest himself in infinity and in Sov and in the time before creation, but when creation finishes its process, it reverts back to that which was before creation to show that the infinitude of HaKadosh Baruch Hu contains within itself the capacity of unlimitation and limitation as well, and both of them are unified in that space. Both of them are contained within the Koach the 
wondrous capacity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to show that infinity can manifest itself in limitation as well as unlimitation, so that even darkness and even measure does not distinguish the infinite power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we see from Rav Itchemeyer in multiple places that the Tachlis of the Bria is to allow history to play itself out with all of its differentiation, with all of its smallness and brokenness and all of its present suffering and difficulties, and to show that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there in each and every moment, to show that that pratiyat and that brokenness was part and parcel of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's capacity even before the beginning. That history has a purpose. The purpose is to show that even within limitation and even within suffering and difficulty and distinguishment and differentiation, the light of unity shines forth. Now, the reason I bring this first introduction from Ravitchemeyer is because we're going to see by the Os Yud, which after the process of Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, Vav, Zion, Ches, Tes, after all of the particularization of being, after all of the individualized and particular stages from the infinite capacity down towards the Tes, which is the containment of all the Pratyut together, particularization in its fullness, we return back to the Yud, which is a return back to the simplicity of the Aleph. The Yud is a return back to that unified wholeness, but it's not simply negating the differentiation of Bays and the multiplicity of Bays through tests, but it's rather returning back to the Aleph and showing that Aleph contains within itself all of this Pratyut. Yud is the disclosure, Yud is the revelation that within the unity we contain all of the multiplicity, all of the differentiation, all of the distinction to show that there's really no difference between unity and brokenness because both are expressions of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's really no difference between Shema Yisrael and Baruch Shem Kavod Malchus Lolem Vaed because both of them express the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's really no difference between Geula and Galus except the state of mind because both of them are part and parcel of the historical disclosure of God's presence in this worldliness. And we're going to see that really explicitly in the beginning of the words of Rav Kook. The second introduction that I want to give in order to understand the words of Rav Kook in Os Yud is the idea that Yud, as is described in the Arizal and as is described really in the Zohar HaKadosh, is representative of the idea of Chachma. We all know the song, the Zemer that we sing, Magba Omer, about Rashbi, Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, the Tzadik HaZohar, the hero of the Zohar, and we say in that pismon that we sing on Lagba Omer, we say Yud Chachma Kaduma, that Yud is representative of Chachma Kaduma, of this primordial knowledge. Now, in order to understand why Yud is representative of Chachma, especially as it's played out in the name of Havaya, because the four letters of Havaya, Yud Ke Vav Ke, represent different partsufim, represent different configurations, which we discussed in Osvav, which are the sum total of all the particular spherot as they form a whole that is greater than their parts. Yud represents Chachma. The Kutso of the Yud, the point of the Yud that is on top of it, represents Keser. The first He represents Bina. The Vav represents Chesed, Gura, Tzferes, Netzachod, and Yesod. And the hey, the last hey, represents Malchus. So Yud already is referred to as Yud Chachma Kaduma in the Zohar, and also in the system of the Arizal, it's representative of the partsuf of Chachma, the configuration of Chachma itself. Now, 
the Arizal and the Zohar and Bali Hasidus and the Vilnagon, they explain that as we break up the ten spherots, one of the ways of distinguishing them can be between the Gimel Ration, the three heads, and the Zion Tachtonos, and the seven bottom spheros, meaning to say that the top three are more transcendental in their nature, they're more removed in their nature, they're more elevated and profound and untouched by the brokenness of the Shvira, which we discussed in Os Zion and Os Ches. And the seven bottom spheros, from Chesed down to Malchus, represent the Midos that need rectification, the emotional stage where we find ourselves broken in need of fixing things. Similar to the breakup that we have in the Parshios that we're laning, the Shlosha de Parnusa, the three Parshios, the three Haftoros of suffering and mourning, and the Zayin de Nechemta, and the seven Sviros, the seven Haftoros of Nechama. Parenthetically speaking, Rav Sadok asks a very simple but profound question with regards to the time period that we're in right now. Typically, the breakdown is the opposite. Typically, the Gimel Ration represent the transcendental ideal that is untouched by suffering, and the Zion Tachtonos represent the world in its brokenness. But here, by the Haftoros that we daven and we sing and we lane during the summer, we see the opposite, that the Gimel de Paranusa, the first three Haftoros before Tishabav represent the preparation for suffering. And this Shiva, the Nechemta, represent the Nechama, the comfort that comes afterwards. And it's an Olam Hafuch Raisi, says Rav Tzadok, because the Gimel Ration really should be the fixing, and the Zayin Tachtono should be the brokenness. But Rav Tzadok says that it's possible that the reason that the first three Haftoros prior to the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash prior to Tishabav, are representative of the Gimel Ration, the loftier Spiros, is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself in a more profound level in destruction, so to speak. That in hiddenness, if a person is capable of disclosing and uncovering the Kedusha inherent within, a person is capable of revealing a deeper level of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence. Now, to continue with what we were discussing, the Gimel Ration are going to be typically speaking, Chachma, Bina, and Das, or Keser, Chachma, and Bina, depending on how you count. For our purposes, and this is for another shear, we're going to be starting from Chachma. Now, we're going to look at the Gimel Ration as Chachma, Bina, and Das. When you count Chachma as the beginning, you don't count Keser, because Das, knowledge, which is the synthesis of Chachma and Bina, these two opposing epistemological states of consciousness, you don't talk about Kesser, because Das is really the panemius of Kesser, as the Zohar describes and as the Arizal describes. So we have these three ration, these three modes of consciousness, which are Chachma, Bina, and Das. Chachma, which is on the right side of the spheros, which represents expansiveness and grace and chesed and all of the positive associations we make, represents the initial inspiration of thought. It represents the koya hamuskal. It represents this intellectual capacity as it exists in its unlimited state where we are able to see, where we're able to conceive of the idea in its totality. Now, because we perceive the idea and conceive the idea in its totality by the level of chachma, what we lose out on is the particularity and the limitation of the idea. So we might be able to see everything in its totality, and re'iya, as we'll see, vision is always associated with chachma. What we lose out on is the pratiyut, is the distinction of understanding the idea in and of itself, with its limitation, with its distinction. Now, in order to allow that initial koachma, that initial burst of something, that initial burst of inspiration of chachma, we need to come on to bina. 
Bina is understanding. Bina is more of a limitation. It's on the left side. It's Gevura. It's Bina Li Gevura. It's Hameven Davar Mitoch Davar. It's understanding something Mine Ube. It's being Mefalpel. It's questioning from one thing to another and limiting oneself and not allowing us to be stuck in the expansive idea, but rather focusing and descending into the Pratyuta Davar and descending into the particularity and the limitation of the thing. And then Das is going to be the, sense of the, the synthesis of the two, which will be applied knowledge, our ability to apply the knowledge into our practical day-to-day existence. So what we see by Chachma is that Chachma is this burst of inspiration. Chachma is this expansive ideal in a generalized form that is devoid of particularity. Now, when we discuss Chachma, it's very important to understand that there are always two levels of Chachma. The Zohar and the Arizal describe Chachma as yesh me'ayin, something from nothing. Because Chachma is the first level that we are capable of discussing with regards to our psychological states, as well as with regards to the states of the Sviros. The will and the desire that is representative of Keser is not tangible. It's not something that we can limit within words. It's not something that we can contain with our, our linguistic expressions of what exactly is that we want. As the Balatanya says so beautifully so often that ratzon or will is simply because I want it. Ain tam ratzon. There's no particular reason to apply for why I want something. At the end of the day, if I want it, I want it. I don't have to be able to apply a particular reasoning to it. Chachma is the first instantiation of knowledge. It's the first instantiation of reasonability, where we can actually express and put to words what it is that we want. But like anything in Kedusha, there's a beginning and there's an end of something. Chachma is made up of two parts. The first part of Chachma is more related to its source, which is Keser, the nothingness of Chachma, if you will, that birth of the idea before it actually germinates into something that I can capture in words. And then there's the lower level of Chachma, which is the Chachma that applies itself to Bina, which is what I can actually convey to myself. Whenever I have a first muskal, whenever I have a first idea, there is something ineffable about it because it just happens. It's yesh ayin. I can't put words to it. And on the other hand, there's a part of that chachma, there's a part of that ideal, which is something that I can apply verbiage to, something that, ca- that I can express to the point that it actually has a relationship with bina of understanding, which is already the differentiation of the idea and something that I can begin discussing. So for Rav Kook, and as we'll see in the Rebbe Rashab, the yud is always doubled. The yud, which is representative of chachma, has two levels to it. Now, the two levels that we're going to find in the yud are the yud in its nukuda form and its punctiform form, the small point which is expressive of nothing other than itself. As the tzaddike Vilna, the Talmidim of the Vilna Gon always pointed out, Rav Menachem Anlamishlov in particular, that yud is the same osios as dayo, which means ink. That the real true nature of the yud is simply a point, not even the letter of the yud, it's a point. And the reason that yud and dayo, yud and ink have the same osios is because you cannot write anything without a yud. You cannot begin to write any idea or any letter without first and foremost creating a drop of ink that contained within each and every expression of thought is this instantiation of the nakuda hapni mist, this tiny 
point that contains infinity within it. The Yud in its smallness, the Yud in its minimality, in its minimal form, is irreducible. It is that expression of Kedusha in its fullest state, in the lowest, smallest, most minimalized possible form in which it can be expressed. It is the Yechida, it is the Pintala Yid, it is the Pintala Yud, if you will, that no matter what is erased, all of the expressions and all of the Levushim on top of the Yud, on top of that Nekudos Dayo, can be erased, but you cannot erase the irreducible, the unerasable point that exists no matter what. That is the Pintala Yid, that is the Nekudos HaYechida, that is what we describe when we describe the Yud. Now, there is the Yud in itself, and then there is the Yud in its expansion with its Miloi, because when you look at Yud, the letter Yud is spelled out Yud Vav Dalit. So there is the Yud without its expression of the Vav and Dalit, which spell it out, and then you will have an expression of the Yud as it expresses itself to Bina, as it becomes something that is capable of expression, which is when Yud is spelled out, Yud Vav Dalit. So these two levels of Chachma, the Chachma Ilah and the Chachma Tata, the supernal wisdom, which is untangible and unexpressible, and the limited lower level of wisdom, which is expressible in language, are going to be described, as we'll see in Rav Kook and the Rebbe Rashab, in the Yud on its own and the Yud as it is expressed. Now, I want to first and foremost look at the words of Rav Kook, and then we're actually going to come on to the words of the Rebbe Rashab to show how profoundly appropriate they are with regards to what we're discussing. So when we look at the words of Rav Kook on the Osiud, we're going to begin as follows. Hamispar Muso, the number in its fullness, meaning to say, after Aleph has moved through Tess, after all of the Pratiyut have expressed themselves from one to nine, we return back to the ideality of quantity, which we've discussed in the Osvav, discussing the distinction of quantity and quality that Rav Kook utilizes so often. Now, Yud represents the number in its fullness, this ideal state of numerical value, which is not to say the sum total of some counted value, but rather the ideal, the ideality of numbers in its smallest form, in the Yud itself. Hamispar muso, the number in its fullness, in the unification of all of the particulars. And this is why I came on to that introduction from Ravitchmeyer discussing the language of the Arizal of that which will be after it reverts to that which was, because the Yud is the Klalusam in its collective nature, Kibereshis Havyusam, as it was in its beginning by the Os Aleph. So a person can ask the question, if the Yud is simply a reinstantiation, a re-expression of the Os Aleph, then what value do we have? But based on Ravitchemeyer, based on the previous Mekubalim, it's very clear the distinction between the Yud and the Aleph. By the Aleph, it was simply in Sofiyut. We said that we can't express it except through translation, except through Targum, except through Tardema, because we could only understand the backside of it. But once we come to Yud, now we're able to understand how Aleph contained within itself all of the particularity before it was even manifested, that the Koya Hagvul, the capacity of limitation that Rabbeinu Azriel describes, which is the crowning jewel of Rav Kook's system, as the Nazir describes in Os Aleph, that Yud contains within itself all of the Pratiyut, that Aleph contains within itself the Koya Hagvul within the Biltigvul, even before it's manifested. And the Yud represents the Aleph after its expression. 
in their unification as it was prior to their expression, and their end. The nature, and I want to make clear that Rav Kook is distinguishing here between the nature of the Yud and the Bitui of the Yud. The Tchuna of the Yud is going to be the higher level of Chachma, the Yud in itself without the Vav and the Dalit, and the Bitui, the expression of the Yud, is going to be when the Yud is expressed with the Vav and the Dalit. And we're going to see from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, in a footnote on the Rebbe Rashab, that he says this explicitly, that there are two levels, the Yud in thought and the Yud in speech. The Yud in thought is the Chachma Eliona, the Yud on its own, that Nekudah Pnimis, without its expression towards Bina. The Yud as it's expressed in language is going to be the lower level of Chachma, which is the Yud Vav Dalid, which is expressive of the transition from a Nekuda of the Yud to the Kav of the Vav, to the line, to the Dalid, the Shetach, and the area of the Dalid, which is representative of the lower level of Chachma, which is expressible in Bina, which means that it can be understood. Now, Rav Kook continues. He says, Meitzin es tchunas hayud, the nature of the Yud, meaning the Yud in itself, without its expression downwards, nekudati, in the smallest, most punctiform form of expressivity, the dayo, the dot of ink which contains all potential within it, that idea, that silence which contains everything that can potentially be said within it, it's representative of simsum virikus, contraction and concentration. Meaning to say that don't think for a second that the minimality, the minimal value of this point is because it is devoid of significance, but rather adaraba that the Yud is contained in that monadic form, in that monad, which contains all within it, the prat that we describe, so which is containing the all. The Yud is minimalized to the extent that it contains everything. It contains infinitude within it. It contains all possible expression within it before its actual expression. It's representative of symptom of concentration, the rikus, and condensation and intensification that the Yud in its smallest form contains everything within it. Nigiya tzirit, the imaginal touch, meaning to say when you allow the drop of ink to touch the paper, that small point of the beginningness of writing, the beginning of letters, contains everything that can be expressed afterwards. Nigiya tzirit, it does not express anything but the fact that it contains all potential expression that will come afterwards. As we said, Chachma Ilah, the higher level of Chachma, the Yud on its own without its expression, comes from Ayin, it comes from Keser, it comes from Ratzon, which cannot be expressed. The Yud in its purest form is representative of the Hit Alut El Masha FSB Koltoar Bechotzior, that which is devoid of any description or expression. The Yud represents in its purified form that which cannot be expressed. Paradoxically, that point of the Yud is the descriptive nature of the fact that nothing can be expressed. That point represents the fact that there is not enough ink in order to describe everything that I want to say, and therefore I will remain silent. It is a sign, it points back towards the Keser, it points back towards the Ayin, the nothingness from which it came. 
v'hatziur ba'atzmo. And here we're still talking about the higher level of Chachma, the Chachma Ilah, the first part of the Yud, devoid of its, expressi- its expressivity in the Miloy of the Vav and the Dalid. So we're talking about the Nakuda point of it. It represents the Hatsiur Ba'atzmo and this point in and of itself, Hurak Dimus Afisas Hakara. It comes simply to signify the unsignifiability of that which we're coming to describe, meaning to say, if I'm saying that Chachma Ilah, the first part of the Yud, comes to describe the nothingness and our inability to express anything about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then how could it manifest in a point? How can it manifest in a descriptive image? So Rav Cook says, he walks back and he says, this is a description coming to describe our inability to describe anything, meaning to say that it is a nothingness that is tangible, yet at the same point it is still a nothingness. The nothingness of Kesser is one that can't be described. The nothingness of Chachma is a nothingness that can be spoken about, yet it still remains nothing even after we've spoken about it. It is a small, tiny black point, which is devoid of any space, any room for discerning white or clarity. Meaning to say the first level of Chachma is given birth to from Keser. It represents the Ratzon at it as it manifests within the first instantiation of thought, the deepest part of our subconscious, before we can actually put words to what it is that we actually want. Zehu ha'otzer ha'nishkav shekoach ha'yar ha'poeles. An era of Cook is <clears throat> utilizing the word yud, the os yud, to be representative of the idea of the hand of the yad, which is representative, as we'll see in the koyach, in the os of kaf, which represents the palm, the kaf, the yadayim, that the yud represents the hand, the hamshach, zehu ha'otzer ha'nishkav shekoach ha'yar ha'poeles, metmala begino ke'otzer ha'chayim. This koach of the yud, this first part of the yud, the chachma ila'a, the Yud devoid of its Milu, the Yud devoid of its Vav and its Dalit, the Chachma before it actually manifests in anything that we want to do, the intuition that we feel before we know what we're feeling, the pangs of hope that we feel before what we know what we're hoping for. That is representative of what the hands of life will come to express later on. That all of our experiences and all of our thoughts and all of our words and all of our actions are simply coming to be magvil, simply coming to limit and express in that limitation this yurchachma kaduma, this point of primordial knowledge which was devoid of any limitation or particularization. Now Rav Cook is going to start discussing the second point of the Yud. And again, this would have been impossible for me to understand had I not come upon Besiyata Deshmaya, the words of the Rebbe Rashab, which we will see afterwards. Now Rav Kook is going to describe the second part of Chachma, the Chachma Tachtona of the Yud, the part of Chachma that expresses itself within Bina, the part of Chachma which can be captured in language, which can be captured in understanding, because now we're talking about the Miloy of the Yud, the Yud, the Vav, and the Dalit, the expression from the point of the Yud to the Vav, which is the elongation, the Kav of the Yud itself, and then the Dalit, which represents the width and the length of the Vav. So the Yud, the Vav, and the Dalid represents a processional order of expressionality, of expression in space from the point to the line to the Shetach, to the space itself of measurement. So we're going to see how this is representative of the second level of Yud. Rav Kook continues, And the expression and the drawing down of this elevated storehouses of 
plenitude, the tenuvah, shemavtes es habitui shel hayud. Now we're talking about the expression of the yud. And when I express yud, I cannot do it without expressing the yud with the yud, the vav, and the dalid, which already represents its procession downwards towards limitation. Habitoi shel hayud, hanakuda hakav vahashetach, the point, the ray, and the shetach, the area, the nakuda of the yud, the elongated line or the ray of the vav and the dalad, which represents width and length. Now, I don't have enough time to discuss it, but Nukuda Kavan Shatach is an idea described in the Arizal, and in the Shlaha Kadosh, and in the Alter Rebbe in multiple places, as the three basic formidable spaces of space as it expresses itself into geographic locations. That first you have a point, then you have a line, then it opens up into an area, but we're not going to discuss that at length because Rav Kook doesn't make too big of a deal of that. Shehem mitgalim behadarga. They express themselves in gradation. So now we have the Yud expressing itself in levels of value. Behavta'asayud, in the expression, in the enunciation of the Yud, behitgalmut mavta'o, in the expression and the manifestation and the crystallization of its expressivity, the yud and the vav and the dalid, which spell out the word yud, morim, what these show is, that the original part of the yud, which remained unexpressive in its point, in its limited form that contained infinity in it, we now see that the Yud, as it's expressed, already begins expressing itself in limitation. Litzirot mafilot, to expressive activity. Hamizdrachos mitoch hashiguv hamupshat which are drawing themselves down from the elevated level of the Yud, from the Ayin to the Yaish, to, from Ein to Yesh, all the way down towards the Chachma that lends itself to expressivity and understanding in Bina. Rav Kook continues, We don't have in the Yud, all we have in the Yud is the point, the line, and the Dalad, which is representative of of length and width, but it is not the cubed form. It is not the full manifestation of space. Why? Because Chachma still remains ineffable. Even the second part of Chachma, even the Chachma Tata, even when Yud is expressed, Yud Vav Dalid, it still remains ineffable. It is an understandable level of nothingness, yet it still is an aspect of nothingness, meaning to say that until we come to Bina, until we come to the hay of the Shem Havaya, we don't actually have anything tangible with which we can discuss. But the spark of knowledge, in spite of the fact that it is already giving birth and making space for that which will come afterwards, nevertheless, even though it expresses itself in the Yud, the Vav and the Dalid, the point, the line and the space, it nevertheless remains devoid of Mu'ukav, of cubed space, of actually becoming a limited form. Ki'im amda al hagvul shel hashetach. It stands at the limit of the shetach. It stands at the limit of measurability. Lahodia, in order to show us kama ramu v'shagvu orchos hamifalim, how great and elevated and transcendent are the pathways of activity. Beheyosam ovdem b'shiguvam ha tsurati asher b'ha'amad dasam haruchanit. How lofty chachma is 
as it stands in the in the yud form of its expression prior to the manifestation in bina, prior to the manifestation in gvura and limitation, that in spite of the fact that we're still talking about the secondary lower level of yud, which spells itself out in yud vav dalid as is expressed in space, nevertheless it is still profoundly transcendent to the limitation that we experience. Rav Kook continues, Kikol HaGvala Chamris All physical limitation doesn't touch Chachma. Chachma is everything. The Balatanya in Parak Yudtes, the Rebbe Rashab in, in multiple places, the Rebbe Rashash, the Rav Shalom Sharabi, and not the Rebbe Rashash, the Rashash, Rav Shalom Sharabi, describes in multiple places that our only expressivity, our only ability to connect to Insofiyud is through Chachma, through Koachama, to the question of what are we, through that question of Bittal. That Chachma represents the interface between Ein and Yesh. It represents the interface between something and nothing, which is why it's doubled, which is why it has the elevated form, which is more related to Keser, and the more limited form, which is related to Bina. There's so much to discuss in this Os, and I'm rushing in order to hopefully get to the Rebbe Rashab. But we're going to see this idea is expressed in Kaf later on. Rav Kook finishes off. He says, No limited form of measurement will touch it. Except through the most minimal and weak form in which the lower level of Chachma, as it is expressed in the Yud Vav Dalit, of the point, the ray, and the space, as it expresses itself in Bina. That Chachma's relationship with existence that is limited afterwards is simply the ideal, the idealized form. It is not expressed within existence. If Chachma was expressed within existence, everything would be reverted back to nothingness. So what Rav Kook is saying here is that Chachma remains in limited existence as it is expressed later on in Bina, yet it is untouchable and unfathomable. Shemara Ha'ayin, the vision of the eye, and here Rav Kook is utilizing the imagery of the Zohar, which the Bas Ayin, the smallest point of the eye, the black point of the eye is represented as of the Yud, the small minimalized form that contains everything within it. Only the eye, the Riyah of Chachma, is possible of discerning, of revealing how Chachma can be found within limitation. Aval, Lotzvisasayat, the hand can't touch it. We cannot show in this world how Chachma is present, because that would either result in the failed form of pantheism, of equating existence with godliness, God forbid, which our tzaddikim came to fight so strongly against, or it would be nullifying existence back to nothingness in Bittal HaMetzias, which would negate the entire purpose of what we are coming to do, which is express godliness and limitation. Now, very quickly, and I will not be doing service to it, I want to show how this is found profoundly in the words of the Rebbe Rashab, in a way that is, in my mind, nearly miraculous, that these two tzaddikim who really had nothing to do with one another, especially their thinking, at least explicitly so, are saying the same thing. In the Bechina of Trey Nevi'im, Misnavnim B'Lashon Echad, that two Nevi'im are prophesizing in the same language. Now, the, and I'm not going to have enough time to express this, but if anybody's interested, they can let me know afterwards. The Rebbe Rashab says as follows, The nothingness of Chachma, the higher level of the Yud, the Yud on its own, the, the aspect of Koachma, the questionability of it all, the fact that we don't know exactly what we're talking about, this is the aspect, the concealment of Chachma, the first level of Chachma. 
meaning to say that the Chachma comes from Ayin, and this first part of Chachma is simply the first instantiation of the revelation of nothingness. So even though it's a revelation, it's still a revelation of nothingness, which means we still have no idea what we're talking about. Aval ha'ayin ha'atzmi de keser, the pure nothingness of keser, hu lamalamiza, it's above everything. It's above the chachma. The ha'inu yoter be'bechinas ha'bitu le'bechinas ha'adar metzius. It's more in the aspect of nullification and the absence of existence. And here the Rebbe Rashab gets into it. Hine ha'chachma hu os yud. Chachma is represented in the letter yud. The ha'yud and the yud, ha'gam shehu nekuda levad, even though it's only a small point, Nevertheless, it's still the expression of a letter. And it has a space. So it's nothing, but it's something at the same point. It's yesh and it's ain. But the Rebbe Rashab says here, a pure point, a point in its simplest form, is not a yud, because the yud already is a letter. But the nekuda, the pure point in its minimalist form that contains everything within it has no expressivity, like the kutz of the yud. And the Rebbe Rashab continues, and he says, how do we unify these two opposing ideas that on the one hand, the yud is expressive of space and a letter, and on the other hand, the yud is expressive of the nakuda, which is devoid of any expressivity. So the Rebbe Rashab says as follows. He says, yesh lomar, we can say, devos yud yesh beiz in yanim, that by the os yud there are two ideas. Ha'alif os yud im hamiloi shalo vav dalid. Hainu b'chinas kav v'shetach ha'klulim b'nekuda diyud. On the one hand, there's the lower level of the yud, which is the yud, as it is expressed, as it is spelled out, yud vav dalid, which is kav and shetach, and the space that, will give, that it will give birth to afterwards contained within it. Hainu b'chinas chitzonius ha'chachma, the lower level of chachma, ha'shaycha el habina, that is shayach debina v'yavo lidei giloi v'hasaga debina, and eventually it will be expressed in an understandable way in the limitate in the limitation of bina. Ki inyan kav v'shetach, because the aspect of the kav and the shetach, the vav and the dalit of the yud, the birth of space, hubachinas giloi, it's the aspect of revelation. Ulezos, and with regards to this level, the lower level of chachma, gam bachinas hachachma shubachinas ha'elam adayin. Chachma, even though it's still concealed, mikol makom, nevertheless, nevertheless, in spite of the fact that it is concealed in the Yud Chachma Kaduma, this is the lower level of the Yud, which is the Chachma Tata'a, which is expressed in the Yud Vav Dalid, and it comes to be revealed eventually in Bina, and this is the aspect, this is the aspect of the revealed Chachma. Adarach Mashal says the Rebbe Rashab, Seichel Galui, a revealed idea, even though I can't express what it is that I'm thinking, I can't express what it is that I'm understanding, in the nature of grasping the idea, nevertheless, it's still the aspect of an ideational idea. It's a form, an idea that will eventually be revealed. And it contains within it, now the Rebbe Rashab is coming to say the second level, the first level of the Yud, it contains within it, I'm sorry, the Rebbe Rashab is continuing to explain the lower level of the Yud, that contains within itself all of the particular understandings that we saw in the Ostesa, that are born from it, 
Ki adiwa de nakuda de chachma, the idea of the yud, kolelas ba'atma, contains within itself beheelem, in concealment, kol hasechliim pratiim, all the particularized identities of Aleph through Tess, kamoshen espar la'el. Nevertheless, in Chachma, it's still contained in nothingness. So up until now, the Rebbe Rashab is describing the second level of the Yud, the lower level of the Yud, which goes from the Yud, from the Vav to the Dalid, which is the Chachma Chitzonius, which is the beginning of understanding that in spite of the fact that we can't understand it, it gives birth to understanding in Bina later on. And then... The Rebbe Rashab is now discussing the second part of the Yud, which is the Chachma Ilah, the Yud on its own, the higher level of Chachma, Aval Os Yud Ba'atzma below Hamiloi, but the Yud without its filling, which in the footnote from the Lubavitcher Rebbe is something amazing. He says that the filling is only for the other. The Vav Dalit is always expressed in the linguistic form, which means I'm trying to convey it in conversation and in language. Now we're talking about the idea in its primordial form prior to my ability to express it in language. Aval os yud atmo below hamiloi, the yud without the filling of the vav and the dalid, hagam shiyesh bogam kein shetach, even though it's still a point of ink, hare eno beseder vahardagra dekav veshetach. There's no process of expressionality. Umemela ein hashetach b'chinas espashtus, ulechein eina dome gam kein le os yud vav dalid. So we see from the Rebbe Rashab that he's saying exactly what Rav Kook is saying, that the Yud, Chachma Kaduma, contains within itself two levels. It contains the unconscious thought, the unknown thought, that thought which is present but not present, which is present in its invisibility, which is there, limited in its unlimitation, showing nothingness on a certain level, the expression of Keser, and then we have the lower level of Yud, which is nothingness as it begins to manifest in limitation in Bina, as it goes from the Yud, from the Vav to the Dalit. And we're going to see that for of Kuk next week in the Os Chaf. We're going to see how Yud gives birth to Chaf and how Chachma gives birth to Bina. And we're going to find ourselves moving towards the end of the Aleph base, moving towards the expressionality of being and coming to a place where we can begin to understand how our intellectual thoughts, the Chachma in our mind, is expressed in the process of the Osios as 